0: I'm Jessica, and this is Homecoming, finding yourself in life's little moments. So dear listener, it is evening and I'm making this podcast from my home, which is not too far from the sea. And here in the Southern Hemisphere, May is fall. So while spring is coming to life back in the northeast of the United States, which is where I hail from, uh, here the light is diminishing. And yet at the same time, it's a beautiful thing because these days have been here so sunny and warm. So, you know, once the sun goes down, it's as if all of the heat of the day just evaporates and suddenly it's quite cold and one realizes that it's no longer summer, you know, here in Australia. But but then one can look forward most days to it being sunny, which is just such a beautiful blessing, and to sit out in the sun and gather all that vitamin D and... <laughs> all those wonderful rays and the warmth. I said to a friend of mine recently on the phone, I was talking to her, she's a dear friend, and I said, you know, it feels like when the sun is shining down upon us, it's as if there's this feeling of the sun being, that radiance being like God. And she said, well, the sun is God. And... I think about that, you know, because when I'm walking and I suddenly come around a corner and there the sun is just shining down on me, it feels so beautiful, like it's more than just the light. It's as if there's a presence there that is making itself known, reminding me that that presence is there with me always. And the sun shines and it's this glorious, beneficent, infinitely positive beautiful loving infinitely loving presence being energy that permeates my days so what i was thinking when i was thinking about making this podcast had to do with some communication that i had sort of unexpectedly with somebody who i knew when i was much younger when i was growing up in Dobbs Ferry new york and That's a place that is very interesting. It has incredible history there. The history goes way back to the First Nation people. There would have been Native Americans there in that area, moving up and down the Hudson River and making their way through the forests that lined the vast river at that point in its journey from the Adirondacks. And I understand that the Hudson River originates, starts in a a lake in the Adirondack Mountains, which are a magnificent series of mountains in northern New York State. And that lake is called Tear of the Cloud. And I just think, how beautiful is that? The Hudson River starts, has its origination, has its origin in a lake. And I believe this is true. I believe this is what I've heard called Tear of the Cloud. So I grew up in this beautiful place bordering the Hudson River, and I can remember looking out my window when I was growing up, my bedroom, and being able to see out to the west, to the Palisades, to what was what is New Jersey across the way. And back then, there weren't many lights across the river. You know, there wasn't as much habitation, so I would look, and the sun would set, and glow this beautiful beautiful orange red light and I would be in my bedroom and my bedroom would fill with that orange light in the evenings and that would be the end of my days those would be the how my days would would sort of (laughs) close would be with that beautiful orange red light that would shine through the leaded glass windows into my bedroom at dusk, at sunset. So when I think about growing up there, and here it was really that some of these memories were kindled by this recent communication, which really sort of came out of the blue with this person who grew up in the same neighborhood. And you know, it's quite wonderful when you happen to know or encounter, re-encounter someone who is from your same locale, who remembers the same things that you do. It's an enormous gift because it's as if you're reconnected back to yourself. Something is reconstituted, is remembered. All of these words that start with re, R-E, to reflect, to reconnect, to remember. And uh, so in this communication, this recent communication, these things have come to life for me and I've been able to have a way to express them where there's been a kind of depth, you know, a depth to the memory to the expression of this memory so yes, I grew up in this place called Dobbs Ferry and there was something about it, you know there was something about that place it was kind of uncanny there was a kind of feeling of the land and of the trees and In the garden in the in the yard of the house where I grew from the time I was one year old until when I left for college. And you know, I don't even think I realized just how special that place was until some years and years years later. But in, in our garden it was about a quarter of an acre, it wasn't a huge plot of land, but it was it was developed with such care. The house was built with such incredible care. It was a Tudor house, brick, and with this beautiful little Juliet balcony, leaded glass windows, and a pitched roof that had shingles on it. And it was really quite an incredible place. And it was as if the person who built that, the people who designed it and built it, built it in such a way that the house would be like a friend to the trees that were there. And I have to tell you that I hold back tears as I say this to you because those trees when I was growing up were friends to me. There was an oak tree that grew right next to the house and it was a magnificent oak tree and its branches just were like an umbrella over the house. And when I woke up in the morning and looked out from my bed, I could look up through the leaded glass window to those branches. And in winter, they were bare, and there might be some birds out there that I could see. And then in spring, the blossoms, the the little sprigs would start to come. And then in summer, it would leaf out and just be this beautiful sheltering shade producing presence but that oak tree was like my friend and then of course in fall it would just be filled all those leaves would become red and gold and yellow oh my gosh that tree was just a presence you see we live on this earth and the living beings in our midst are multitudinous there whatever is growing outside our home wherever we might live even if it's just a bit of grass or a tree on the street and I'll always remember and this is a bit of a tangent but I'll always remember my beloved Flora the woman who raised me from when I was eight living in that beautiful place she came as my nanny and I kept myself connected to her through this whole long life and she just loved the trees and she would look up at the trees and she would just marvel. She would say, Jesse, look at those beautiful flowers, especially in the springtime, she loved it. And she would say, you know, you can collect those flowers, you can collect the blossoms that, that form in the springtime. You can collect them in like rose petals and lilies of the valley and you can put them in a little container and you can close it up and they'll dry over time and then when you open the container you can enjoy that fragrance that beautiful fragrance and then you can close it up again and if you have a friend come to visit you, you can take that little container out and you can open it for them as she would do for me and have have your friends smell those beautiful blossoms so dear listener, that's a memory that I share with you and these are the things that I remember from Dobbsbury when I was growing up But you know, the living world is so beautiful. It's so beautiful. And I remember photographing it, you know. I love doing photography from the time I was probably 11 or 12 and I'd go out and I'd photograph the daffodils in springtime, the translucent yellow flowers. Capturing the light, you know, the light coming through them and just creating this extraordinary glow through their beautiful yellow petals. I would love doing that. It's as if I was in communion with whatever it was that I was photographing. I would photograph the trees and the poplars arcing towards the sky. And so just to say, you know, that on this little property that our house was nestled in, It was as if they had assured that there would be sort of one of every tree. There was an oak that I described, there was a maple in the backyard, there were the poplars, there was a birch tree, there were hedges, there was a forsythia shrub, there were pine trees, two magnificent pine trees in the front, and a Japanese maple that made this beautiful Red, incredible red color in the fall, and then there was a dogwood tree in the front that, in spring, would have its blossoms blooming white, white all over in the front yard, and that was what was there between the house and the and the street was that beautiful blossoming dogwood tree, and then there was Pacassandra that covered and carpeted green the uh, the garden and lilies of the valley that would come up with their little white blossoms in springtime like also like a carpet of just the most extraordinary smells so I would walk barefoot in the garden and as I got to understand and learn how to do photography I'd photograph those things that I loved and you know like those images which I still have a few of those images are indelibly imprinted on my mind. So I share these thoughts with you, dear listener, because, you know, it's very strange. We live now at a time when 50 years ago, which is when that was the time what I'm describing to you was 50 years ago. And now I feel that that love of life is so needed. I mean, it's a state of awe. It's like being in a state of awe of life, of life itself, and befriending it and allowing it to befriend us. And if anything is going to save this world, dear listener, it's that. Because we've gone a long way the other way, a really, really, really long way. And now we have to find our way back you know, Joni Mitchell wrote in her incredible anthem, Woodstock, you know, we have to find our way back to the garden, find our way back to what exists around us, and then nurture it with our love. Now where I live, it's on the outskirts of a city, and so there's a lot of concrete around, but then there's also the ocean, which is my saving grace, it's my saving grace, but there was a a succulent plant down at the bottom of my stairs, and it wasn't doing very well. The people who tend to the the apartment building where I live, I don't know, I think it kind of got sort of neglected. (laughs) And I noticed it because I would pass every day down those steps and see that succulent. I think there it's called a yucca plant, Y-U-C-C-A, and it's got these big broad green leaves and it was in a pot and actually the previous plant had died and they replaced it with a new one and I thought that one's not looking (laughs) it's not looking like it's doing that well either it was sort of stuck in a dark corner so I moved it out where it would get the sun and every time I pass it I put a little bit of water in from my water bottle I water that little plant it's not so little actually and I talk to it And I'm telling you, dear listener, that plant is looking like it's happy. That plant is happy. When we love things, they become happy. Whatever that thing may be, when we love it, it becomes happy. So whatever beautiful, natural, thing there might be around you whatever thing, living things and that includes animals includes everything when we love these things dear listener they become happy and they begin to grow and I just think to myself can we love now this world, can we simply begin to love this world this beautiful blue orb as the Apollo astronauts observed the first human beings to see the earth from space this beautiful blue marble they called it marveling that it floated there that our home floats in the midst of this expanse of infinite blackness this beautiful earth floats so I ask myself can we love this earth can we begin to love this earth one bit at a time in whatever way wherever we are to restore it, to bring it back, to say we want everything to live. We want to live ourselves. I think our life, our future, our lives depend on that, to love this beautiful earth, to love the life on it, the living things on it, as we love ourselves, you know, to love our neighbor as ourselves, to love the earth as ourselves, to love every living thing as ourselves how beautiful that would be and can be and is. I have no doubt that that will restore this place. You see, we've become the most powerful, (laughs) pervasive presence on the earth now. They talk about this incredible extinction that's happening and has been happening and that we're really getting towards such a crux point. So we could turn our love towards all these living things and begin to nurture them like that yucca plant at the bottom of my stairs and help it restore help all these beautiful living things become come back to us so that dear listener is my thought for this night it's funny I have a picture of three giraffes on my desk I actually found it on the street people just give this wonderful stuff away here I found most of what I've needed on the street where I live and this is one thing that I love it's three giraffes and how beautiful and placid and enjoying they are how beautiful it is to look at them and be reminded of life so with that dear listener I'll bid you adieu and I wish you a good day or night whenever you hear this warmest blessings to you now and always bye for now Bye.